Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. If you talk to people about next Sunday, it's going to be me again speaking. And I've got a message that I just got recently, and and I'm calling it, What Does It Mean to Be a Child of God? And the Lord's really been dealing with me in some areas, showing me all the benefits of who we are in Christ. You know, Jesus didn't just die for you so that you'd go on being who you were before he met you. Right? He did it for a lot more reasons than that. And I believe that when... When he told us how to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we literally bring the kingdom of God to earth. You and I, as his child. And if you're born again, you are his child. Amen? So this week I'm continuing the Stewardship 101 series. Uh, In my last message, if you were here, that was a few weeks ago now, it was called The Measure You Use. And you can kind of see some things here that have to do with different measurements, different sizes and that. And I I highlighted this. When you go through trials, when you go through trials well, it, it equals what? More faith and you become stronger. So God actually allows us to go through some of those trials. He never said that he'd get you, eliminate them. He just said he would help you get through them. Right. All right. So as followers of Christ, it shouldn't surprise us that the devil keeps coming at us over and over again. And he uses everything he has in his arsenal. The victory is ours, though, when we keep our eyes on the Lord, when we keep our eyes on Jesus and on his provisions and not on what's happening to us, not on our circumstances. Can I get an amen? How many have ever gone through a trial? Tribulation. Some of you are still going through them. Some of you are married to them. <laughs> Did I say that? Not me, though. I'm happily married. I don't want to go where I went a couple weeks ago. Woo! 40 years. God bless my wife. We should always remember, though, that God is our refuge. He is our strength. If you're being attacked physically, financially, politically, and I throw that word in intentionally, or otherwise, you need to go to the Lord. Let Him renew your spirit. That's what it's all about. In fact, I jotted down Isaiah 40, 31. But those who trust in the Lord, say this with me, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles, They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Praise and glory to God. So the Lord's disciples should be walking in victory. That's God's plan for you and me. And I will talk more about that next week. But this week, I want to continue uh, the message, the measure you use. This is actually part two, all right? And today I'd like to focus on some scriptures that reveal how God's kingdom works when it comes to his provision. You ever thought about that? Hopefully you know that God wants to bless you. 
Oh, wow. Either you're asleep. You know, we're going we're gonna to have to start adding espresso to our coffee. So that you guys will... One of the things we're going to add soon are some microphones over the audience, because if you ever listen to the tapes of, of the sermons, whenever I get a, some kind of response from you guys, not always a good one, but most of the time, it's like crickets <laughs> on the mic, because this thing's only picking my voice up. So we're going to take care of that. So I'm expecting you guys, when you see those little things hanging over you, you need to start going along with it, all right? Wake up! All right, anyway. I was talking to, to Tony this morning, Tony Van Duser this morning, and when we, uh, before we prayed, he came up to me and he said, I really feel like God's given me a word for you today. And I was like, okay, what is it? You know, test, the, test it to see if it's from the Lord. And this is what he said. If we give sacrificially, God will bless abundantly. If we give sacrificially, God will bless abundantly. And I said, did you already see my notes? And all week, as I've been trying to prepare for today, I've gone over and over this message. And I, I kept trying to shorten it. And the Lord said, no, leave it where it is. Leave it where it is. So I said, all right, Lord, this is yours. You've got to deliver this thing through me, so I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to leave it where it is, and we'll go from there. So the Lord loves to bless us with stuff as long as the stuff doesn't take priority over Him. If Jesus is first in your life, then the blessings of God will also be yours. They'll follow. But, if you think back to the last time I spoke, Jesus said that in order to be His disciples, we had to give everything up. How's that make sense? Remember that? Luke 14, 33, you cannot become my disciple without giving everything up. Everything you own, up. Alright? Well, I read that and I was like, that seems kind of contradictory, doesn't it? How would we give everything up and then God wants to bless us with stuff? Anybody else confused by that? Well, here's the twist. I believe God blesses us with the stuff in order to see how we use it. In order to see what we do with it. Now let me clarify, this isn't for God's sake. You all know that, right? God knows everything, beginning and end. He already knows it. He knows what you're going to do with the stuff. This is so that you will see what you're going to do with the stuff. How you're going to handle it. How you're going to be faithful. How you're going to be that uh, servant that He's called you to be. So it's for our sakes, whether young or old, how we handle the stuff, listen to this, how we handle the stuff that we are given shows truly whether or not we are serving the Lord. We are his disciples. I believe this with all my heart. Moving along. Luke 18. Here it gives a, an example of a man and how he handled the stuff in his life. And Well, let's just read it. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? 
Why do you call me good, Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. We all know those, right? We're all good with that. Yeah, sure. Verse 21, the man replied, I've carefully obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. What would you do if Jesus said that to you? How many would be walking out of here right now? Let's go on. But when the man heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. Say that with me. Very rich. I'm going to attach you to this in just a minute. You know it, right? When Jesus saw this, he said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In fact, it is easy for a, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. How many are thinking, I've got to be Donald Trump to be rich? Or Hillary Clinton, they're rich too. Hear this, and, and this is a statistic I just got. In fact, I think I misquoted something last time I spoke. I said the average income around the globe is $200 a year. No, it's $200 a month. The average income, global median income, is $1,225 a year. You couldn't live on that, some of you in a month, some of you in a week. Hmm? So if you make... $34,000, according to the Daily Mail, you are in the global elite. Poke your neighbor and say, we're in the global elite. <laughs> but this should sober us a little bit because what it means is you're rich. You are rich. This passage is speaking to us. It's yelling at us from the century that Jesus was still on the globe. And it's saying, what are you doing with your money? Notice that Jesus didn't condemn the, the rich young ruler for being wealthy. It's all right to have money. It is. He condemned him for not being willing to give it away. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are expected to have control over our money and all the stuff that we buy with it. But many have allowed their money to have control over them. And this leads to a mixed allegiance, one that we shouldn't have. In fact, another scripture that uh, I wanted to read is actually taken from Luke 16, 13. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money cannot have control over you. Can I get a good amen? amen? So God expects us to be good stewards with everything that he has given us. If you remember, a steward represents a person that is given authority and resources to do something good. 
That's what God expects us to do with our life, with, with all the resources we've been given. Even if you're a youngster, even if you're a, a young teenager, God has given you things to use to bring Him glory and praise and honor. And when we use those things well, what does He do? He adds to them. If we don't use them for His glory, then you're going to find yourself in a pretty tough place. So those who use what they've been given for good will be rewarded, but those that use what they've been given for personal gain or for nothing at all will lose their reward. And this goes back to the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. You can go there and read that at another time. I want to make this personal. How are you doing with what God has given you? Knowing that you are in the elite, you are rich when compared to the world's economy. Do you look for ways to do good with what you have, or do you squander it? As I like to call this, it's like eating the seed. You know what that means? You know, we're all given seeds, and we can plant those seeds, and we can help them to grow, and we do that by doing good with what God's given us, and later we'll reap an even bigger harvest. Or we can take what God's given us and just munch on them for little snacks here and there and not use them to bring Him glory. And in the end, no one will get the blessing, including ourselves. Now, you need to hear this part. This is an elementary teaching for being a Christian. This is an elementary teaching for being a Christian. This is why. If you don't trust the Lord with your finances, which you can see, how will you ever trust Him for the bigger things that you cannot see? If you, can, if you can't trust the Lord with your finances that you can see, how will you ever trust the Lord for the bigger things that you cannot see? You probably won't. Tithing is a faith builder. Let me go back to 2 Corinthians 9.10. I love this passage because it describes this really clear. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat, right? God provided the, everything that the farmer had to grow his crops. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God wants to do something supernatural in your lives. And it all begins with our being faithful with the tithe. If we agree that everything is from God, Amen? We are expected to take what we've been given and then produce a harvest of generosity. How are you doing with this, mighty Christian? Are you looking for ways to invest in God's kingdom? Regretfully, some have forgotten what it means to be generous. Some of you have become so focused on your earthly treasures that you've forgotten about building up your heavenly bank account. We all have a heavenly bank account. Jesus' advice in Matthew 6, 19 and following. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You know your heart always tells the truth. It does. What's most important to you can be identified by where you spend your time and money and energy. 
If God is first in your life, you'll see that. It will be evident in your checking account. If living the high life is first to you, that will be visible by looking at your debit statement. Do you get me? Do you understand? So look at your debit statement. Look at your checking account, whichever you do. Look at the internet banking statement. You can tell whether or not you love God and are serving Him. Here's the thing. If you're looking at storing up more on earth than you are in heaven, then that shows that you are not a sold-out disciple for Jesus. I won't go into it today, but there's another passage where Jesus illustrates what's going to happen to people that are storing all that stuff up, found in Luke 12, 13 and following. If you're new to Christ, you might be asking, well, how do I put my money into a heavenly bank account? How do I open one? Well, first you get born again. You have to give your life to Jesus. That's number one. What's number one? Give your life to Jesus. Become born again. Trust Him. Begin to serve Him. The second part of this is you begin by giving generously to what God has given you. Be rich in generosity. Be rich in generosity. That's what God wants us to do. You begin by becoming a tither. And I'm going to speak to this a little bit more in just a minute. First, how many enjoy God's blessings? I do. I love it when God blesses us. We've seen some amazing things happen since we've been at this church and even before that. I'm going to share some of my own stories here in just a moment. What determines whether or not we are blessed is what I like to call the faith factor. Everybody say that. The faith factor. Uh-oh. There it is. The faith factor. All of us have a faith factor. And that is, let me read it. The more you trust God, the higher your faith factor is. If you really trust God, then you will use a measure of faith consistent with that trust. Right? I know it's going to be quiet in here today. Why do I know that? Because on average, 20% of the people in a church tithe. That means 80% of you, if that number is correct, are not tithers. So we're going to hear crickets. We're going to hear crickets in here. Julie's going, yes, yes. She just talked about this at our first annual business meeting last Tuesday. Some of you still haven't learned how to tithe. As I've said, tithing is an elementary practice for every Christian. It's something that you can physically see, and it does help you grow your faith. If you're given $100 a week from whatever source, then as a good steward, you will tithe that or you'll give $10 toward God's kingdom. Any pastors in here say amen to that? Amen. I know there's a bunch sitting here today. The tithe is God's. It was never yours. So I wanted to put this up behind me. This is how it works. God gives us 100% of what we have. Do we all agree to that? Yeah. All right. So you wouldn't have what you have, even though you say, well, I work for it, but you wouldn't have had it if God hadn't made it first. Everything is from the Lord. God tells us to give 10% of that toward His kingdom. 
It's not that big an amount, really. We get to keep the other 90%, but that 10% is holy, and it has been set aside for God's purpose. That leaves us with the other 90% to use as we see fit. And I love this last part. Then the blessing of multiplication happens. God is able to bless the other 90% to go farther than the first 100% could have ever gone. I have had two different accountants who have done my taxes over the years say to me, I don't know how you've made it with what you guys give. It doesn't make sense. It, the numbers just don't add up. And I look and I know. That's because God has taken my finances and multiplied it. And I thank Him for that. When Barb and I first gave our lives to Jesus, our faith was tested. We had, we had just started tithing, and then all the unexpected bills started hitting our mailbox. But we didn't stop tithing. We might have entertained it, but we didn't. Instead, we looked for ways to give more to God's kingdom knowing that it was by the measure we used that it would be measured back to us. And I'm happy to say that we passed that test. This was early on in our faith walk, and I can't tell you, it, we think about finances, but I can't tell you, I worked in the motor plant when I first began at General Motors. I was there four and a half years. You know what happened at four and a half years into my working at General Motors? I got saved. You know what happened in that middle of that four and a half to five years? I got promoted. I got moved to General Motors engineering facility, air conditioned. <gasps> they trained me to do my job. Yes! And I made a lot more money. Why? Because we were faithful in the tithe. So, Pastor, you're saying that you never stopped tithing after you were born again? Nope, I did. I did. We, had, we had a about three years in, I lost my marbles. Anybody ever do that? Faith marbles, that is, okay? Three years in on our faith walk, I hit a spiritual slump. I don't like admitting it, but it happened. It happens to the best of us. I stopped praying, I stopped reading my Bible, and I got into trouble. One day I came home, I had an argument with my beautiful wife. I said, honey, no I didn't. I said, Barb, I don't want to tithe anymore. I told myself I wasn't going to do this. The Spirit of Roger on me. Uh, weeping prophet. She looked at me with a tear in her eye and she said, okay, we'll stop tithing. I stormed out of the house. Didn't talk about it anymore. Every day, God reminded me of what I'd said to her. Every day, I felt the pressures coming in on me as though Satan was devouring my lunch and my bank account. Every day, I faced it. And finally, after about six weeks of this, torturing myself, I went to Barb and said, okay, forget it. I made a mistake. Please, let's start tithing again. She looked at me with that smirk that only Barb can muster. And she said, that's okay, I never stopped. 
That whole time, I was living under that conviction and condemnation. I didn't have to because she never stopped. Our finances were okay. Hallelujah. Thankfully, she didn't listen to her wayward husband. I have an aside here. If you're married to a Christian that's living for the Lord and you're not, don't question that person when he or she wants to do something because it's the godly thing to do. Be thankful that someone in your house is bringing the blessings of God and the protection of God upon your home even though your faith might be at a minimum. Amen? That's good news. That's truth. But what if I hadn't come to my senses? There is another side to this that all of us need to hear. If you're spending the tithe on yourself, the Lord cannot bless your finances. How can He bless you if you're taking what is His and using it on yourself? When you use the tithe to pay bills or when you use it for your own pleasure, you are, in a sense, robbing God. And you're, in effect, eating the seed. This will bring a curse on your finances if not corrected. Nobody knows where our economy is going to be in the future, right? Nobody knows that. But one way to safeguard your future is to trust God with your finances. Then you won't have to worry about this anymore. I don't worry about it anymore. I'm faithful. I do what the Bible tells me to do when it comes to this. I want to go back to the Old Testament. Look at the book of Malachi, chapter 3. Very familiar passage when it comes to tithing, and and I want to talk about this just for a minute. Verse 6, and then I'm going to jump to verse 8. I am the Lord, and we need to get this part. I am the Lord. Can you see that second part? And Say that first verse with me. I am the Lord, and I do not change. Okay. So if God doesn't change, then whatever follows should still apply. That's where I wanted you to see. Should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. And I haven't gotten into the offerings. I've just been calling it tithes. We'll hit that one another day, all right? There's too much going on here. You are under a curse, God said, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my... Could we say church? Okay, modern day church. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. The only place in the scriptures where you see God saying, put me to the test. And we can. And I have proven that over the years. Hallelujah. Bring the tithe, get a blessing. Say that with me. Bring the tithe, get a blessing. That's the simplest way I know how to put that. Try me, the Lord said. But there are people that say, well now, you know, the New Testament doesn't teach us to tithe anymore. We're in the new covenant now. The old covenant. Well, that was the law. 
If the Lord doesn't change, and if he told us to tithe through Malachi, why then would we presume we should stop tithing? I'm certain that Jesus and his disciples tithe. Judas was the money keeper. They believed in holding the money. There was, there was something going on with the money. He wouldn't have needed somebody to hold it if there wasn't money there, right? Try me in this. Test me in this, the Lord said. Listen to what Jesus said to the religious leaders in Matthew 23, 23. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I want to jump down. He, he talks about them tithing even from their herb gardens. Then he says, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things of justice, mercy, and faith. So Jesus is telling us, you need to tithe and do these other things. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts and following, when we begin to read some of the letters from the apostles, they don't ever identify it as tithing. They call it generosity. We are to be generous. In fact, many of them, if you don't want to tithe, just sell your property, bring the money to the church, and that'll, that'll do, because that's what they did in the book of Acts. Some of you guys are like, I think I'd rather tithe. Agreed. So Jesus is telling us to tithe and do the other things as well. You might be honest today and say, okay, pastor, the Bible teaches us to tithe, but I don't have that kind of faith. Thank you for being honest. I appreciate that. But I have to say that you haven't counted the costs as a disciple of Christ if you're not able to tithe. As I think back to when my wife and I first came to Jesus, 1981, one of the first things a brother in the church told us to do was tithe. Pastor Dave taught us on that too, but this was a personal friend of ours who'd grown up in the church, and he said, you need to start tithing if you really trust in God with your life. Begin to trust Him with your finances. He showed me Luke 6, 38, and this is the New King James. Give and it will be given to you. Can you say this with me? Give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Can you all give God? My friend explained how we as good stewards should always be looking for ways to be generous. At the time I was working at General Motors, my wife and I decided to obey this Malachi chapter 3, literally. We began to give 10% out of our paycheck. Now, when we first started, we were new. We tithed off of the net income, which back then was around $56 after taxes a week. We were learning to be tithers. And, you know, we felt pretty good about this. You ever do that? You do something right for God, and then all of a sudden, oh, well, I'm all that now, Right? And then my friend comes to the door. We had a lot of these talks. He said, listen. He said, that's great that you're tithing off the net, but now I want you to start tithing off the gross. <coughs> what? You really trust God? Well, of course I do. Then start tithing off the gross. Give him your first fruit. Before taxes, 
before health insurance is paid for, before you put into that 4013B, whatever they call those things, 403B things. Oh, man, really? Anybody been there? Besides me? It took more faith, it took more trust to give off the gross than the net, but I'm thankful I can say this, we did it. We did it. And God took over. I've already shared how our accountants didn't fig- they couldn't figure it out. How we gave so much away, and yet we were still able to live and live well. Live well. We weren't, we weren't living in poverty. You, you hear about these little widows that give all their money to the guy on TV. Well, if you'll buy this little napkin from me today for $7,500, I will send you a blessing in the mail. No, I'm talking about giving generously to a church that you know where it's going to go. And we're asking for 10%, not your whole life savings. It's God's anyway. This man knew what he was talking about because he had experienced the Lord's blessings in his own business and in his own finances. So we began to tithe. Our faith factor was increasing daily as we put our trust in the Lord. As we learned to walk with the Lord and as we began to trust Him with our finances, the blessings of God began to flow and He began to move in other areas of our life too. Supernaturally. We saw healings in our home that we'd never seen before. And I believe it was directly related to how we had trusted God with our finances. Now we trusted Him to bring a healing to somebody. I believe that our learning to tithe was one of the bigger reasons that the Lord called us into full-time ministry. We were always trying to outgive the, the pastor of the church in the sense of he'd say, well, this week we need a million dollars to do this. And Barb would sit down and we'd say, all right, how much? She'd give an amount, I'd give an amount, and we'd probably raise it from what the two of us had said. And we'd write the check. We were always doing that. It wasn't, God didn't call us into full-time ministry because we were anybody special. I don't believe we are. But I believe this, we were faithful with the little things. And God knew He could trust us. There's a scripture right there. You guys have seen it. You've heard me say it before. You have been faithful with a little that I have entrusted to you, so you will be a governor of ten cities as your Lord. God will bless you as you learn this principle of the kingdom. He will bless you with more. Now I want you to hear this part. This is important. Your faith factor isn't determined by the amount that God gives you. Rather, It is determined by how much you give back. So you could make $10 and you could be a bigger giver than the guy that's making $10,000. You get it? Your faith factor could be more. And in Luke 6.38, you can see that faith factor at work. It is the amount that you choose to give away from what you've been given that determines the blessing, the return, or the harvest, whatever you want to call it. So if you're making $100, how much do you give out of that? Ten. If you're making $1,000, how much are you giving out of that? A hundred. It's so simple. God 
does things simple so we can understand it. Because we're not always the brightest bulb in the pack. Here's the simplest way I know to put it. You give toward God's kingdom, He gives it back to you. You cannot outgive God, although it sure is fun trying. Here's another warning. You may have been tempted to believe the lie. All the preacher wants is your money. Anybody hear that before? Yes, it takes money to run a church, doesn't it? To send the missionaries overseas, to stock the local food pantries, and, and I believe all these things are important. But what's most important is that you understand this is for your own good, not for anybody else. This is for your own good. When you learn and practice this kingdom principle of reciprocity that says, as you give, so shall it be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap, then God will add more to your life. Bigger miracles, sometimes bigger challenges. The more you trust God, the more He's going to pour into you. But the lie that the preacher only wants your money, that's straight from Satan himself. He doesn't want you to practice your faith because he knows what a person of faith can do to his kingdom. You can disrupt everything that he's trying to do with your family, in your community, if only you'll learn how to exercise your faith. And I believe it all begins with how you handle your money. Learn the value of being generous. Give God room to bless you. Don't eat the seed and spend the tithe on yourself or you'll be bringing a curse upon yourself and your family. I want to share one last kingdom principle along with an illustration from my own life. Then I'm going to close. When you learn to store up your treasures in heaven where your wealth is secure and it isn't affected by crashing stock markets, rust, bugs, or thieves, should you ever find yourself needing a heavenly withdrawal, you can get that by faith. And I'll use my own example, our own example. Pastor Barb and I, when we first went to Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, picked our family up, moved to a place we'd never been before. It was a different culture. It was amazingly different. All right? We attended Mount Hope Church in Lansing, and there were 26 AG churches in Springfield, and none of them looked like Mount Hope Church in Lansing. It seemed like we were 10 years behind, and I'm not being critical of anyone. It was just the culture was different, and we had to learn about that. So we picked up, we moved there, and on the way there, we decided, even though both of us had been called into full-time ministry, we had two prophets praying over the two of us, and both said, you are both called we decided the best way to do it was, I'll go to school, being the man in the house, and my wife will work, support the family. How's that sound? <laughs> and that's how it went down that first year. Well, she worked really hard. And through a series of circumstances, we began to realize we had made a mistake. Anybody ever make a mistake? You think you've got God's mind in things and his direction and then you realize whoops <laughs> i blew it we realized it in a big way because he has a way of showing us how to get back on track sometimes it's painful 
That's what we experienced. We got a Holy Ghost spanking. Did I not call both of you to go to school? Oh, did you? Seemed to have forgotten that. So we'd already spent all our money. I was enrolled for that second year. Now we had to figure out how we were going to get Barb in there. And we got together, we realized we had nothing left in our bank account. So what did we do? We started crying and throwing a hissy for the God. Why? Why? No. No. We remembered. Lord, we've been faithful. We've been giving and giving tithes and offerings. Lord, we need help here. We need a financial miracle. If Barb's going to school, you're telling us she's supposed to go to school. If she's going to school, you need to help us. Then she had to walk that step of faith line. She went up on that first day. I was already enrolled. No, no sweat off my brow. But Barb, that poor woman, she went up, she filled her papers out, told him what degree she wanted to go for. And then what's the last step? Okay. She had the checkbook, but there's nothing in it. She gets up to the, the, the gal that was, what's your name? She tells her, oh, okay, looks it up. She goes, you're all set, honey. My wife's like, say what? You're all set. You've been enrolled. Hope you have a great year. She's like, wait a minute. How'd that happen? She goes, well, between your scholarships and your Pell Grants, everything's covered. We did not have to spend a penny. Only God could have done that. And she sweated through that whole thing. But man, did we have a Holy Ghost praise that night. Woohoo! I love it when God does a miracle. And I believe He did that miracle because we had been faithful. Because we had walked that faith line. Our faith factor had grown to that point where the Lord said, yes. Jesus said, yes, Father. They need a little help here. They need a withdrawal today from their heavenly bank account. As I close, here's what I want you to take away from this. You do your part, God does His part. But you need to exercise your faith. You do your part, God does His part. I should have had that one up earlier. You, need to exer- you want to see God move in your life? You need to exercise your faith. That's what this whole message is really about. Because when you tithe, you are exercising your faith. You're saying to everybody around you, you're saying to your spouse, your family, to the world, I trust God with what I have, what He's blessed me with. And then you watch. You watch. The Lord said, test me in this. You watch and see how He meets your needs and beyond. And when you find yourself at a shortfall, like we did when we first started at CBC, when you find yourself there, you can go to Him and say, Lord, help. We need Your blessing here. We need a miracle. And He steps it up. But you do your part. God does His part. Hallelujah. Begin practicing Luke 6.38. Give the tithe back to God. Then God will see to it that all of your needs are met and more. Test the Lord. See if you aren't able to do more with less as He blesses you.
Would you stand? Here's my last slide. The faith factor requires that you believe God can. It's impossible, according to Hebrews 11:6. it is impossible to please God without faith. You must believe that He really is God and that He will do the things that He said He would do in His book, the Bible. You can take Him at His word. He'll never let you down. And by the way, I should go back and just say, look, we weren't asking for a Corvette with that heavenly withdrawal. We were doing God's work. And it's important that you keep that in mind as you get these withdrawals out. That It needs to be something that's of a godly sense, okay? Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. According to Luke 6.38, the measure that you use will determine the measure that God uses. Some of you are using little teeny measures of faith. And I, I picked these up. You can't see these. But these represent the amount of faith that some of you guys are exercising. Let me read them. A smidgen, a drop, a tad, two more, a dash, oh yeah, and a pinch. This is your faith level right here. Your faith factor. I'm not trying to discourage anybody, but how many would say, Pastor, I need to up that. I need to start trusting God. The measure that I use is the measure that God's going to use to pour it back to me. The measure that I use. You know, some of you, you, you may actually be like at this level. Not bad. Or this level. Right? But I believe God even allows us to be more expressional exercise our faith even more not enough If I could have fit a dump truck in here, I would have. God wants you to come to Him with a giant bucket. Not a tad or a pinch. But you have to start somewhere. You start with where you're at. You start tithing. Trusting God that He's going to meet your needs according to His riches and glory. That He's going to Blow up your finances in a good way so that you don't have to worry about it anymore. He'll take care of things.
I'm proof of that. My wife is proof. My family. My kids. My, my, all my boys are tithers. And their families. Because they saw God move in our life. And you know something's real when the pastor's kids do it. Because they saw what was going on behind the scenes. Would you bow with me? Father, this is not a pastor's favorite message because we don't want to feel like we're trying to get into people's wallets. But I also recognize what this message did for my wife and I back in the infancy of our born-again experience. And I know how you moved us, Lord, to bigger places, challenging us by faith more and more because we were willing to trust you with our finances. I pray for every person that's within hearing of my voice here today, even those that might listen to this online, that you would move on their hearts and, and begin to teach them, Lord, these simple elementary lessons that can only come from you. And Lord, as they do, I know that you will multiply whatever they've given back to them 30, 60, even 100 times over because that's just the kind of God you are. And I pray for miracles within this body, Lord. Promotions, as you did with myself. I pray for promotions. I pray, Lord, you'd show favor on these people as they begin to put you first. And I pray that their accountants, their tax preparers, will look at what they've given and go, how do you make it? I make it well, thank you very much. They'll be able to say that just as we were able to say that. To you be all the glory and all the praise. I want to leave you with this. You may be inclined to write a check to catch up some things. I'm not expecting if you haven't tithed for 30 years that you're going to make that up. You'd have to be pretty wealthy. But begin where you're at. Begin to trust God right where you're at. And let Him move in you mightily. I'm going to close this message right here. I'm done. So you decide what this means. I shared the scriptures with you. I shared some of our own personal testimonies of how God moved. Now it's up to you. Pastor Roger, can we sing that song again? <laughs> Going to the river. Hallelujah. Woo! That was so good in Mary that you need to, I'm telling you what, there are some songs you sing that no one else could sing them like you, and this is one of them. You were belting that tune out today. God bless you. Let, let me close with a final prayer, and then we're going to sing this song, and you can leave at your leisure. Father, thank you again for the word. Thank you for everything you're doing in our lives. Help us, Lord, to grow up in you, to grow our faith up in you. And Lord, I pray that be, as you're returning for us that we would continue to be faithful in all that you've given us to do now keep us safe in our coming and in our going bless the snacks and the coffee afterwards a time of fellowship we give you this church mount hope church in jesus name amen we pray you enjoyed this message from pastor norm oberlin if you would like to partner with mount hope church you can make your tax deductible donation online at gaylorchurch.com from there just click on give online now Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.